Notice a drunk Uriah holds a healthier heart than a sober David. A drunk Uriah has a healthier heart than a sober David. That is the devastation of heart failure. Hi, and welcome back to Live in the Light. I'm your host, Craig Turnbull, and joining me in our studio is our teacher, Pastor Robbie Simons. We're looking in 2 Samuel 11. It's David and Bathsheba. So much sin, so much difficulty, and yet, Robbie, so much in there for us, right? That's right. And even in the midst of really the low point of David's terrible sin, there is so much hope. So may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ find you, find us today as we find ourselves in God's word, but then also find ourselves being led by the Lord to higher heights and greater depths of love. So again, again, if your heart's struggling, don't give up, okay? Don't give up. May the Lord strengthen you and empower you today to keep living for him. Stir our hearts, Lord. Stir our hearts for you. All right, 2 Samuel chapter 11, a great story, a famous story. David and Bathsheba today here on Live in the Light. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and next. Now here's David's next plan. So conviction's not happening. And David invited him and he ate in his presence and drank so that he made him drunk. In the evening, he went out to lie on his couch with the servants of the Lord, of his Lord, but he did not go down to his house. So here we see the consequences of David's sin starting to take place. And instead of owning, okay, right here, right here, if David, when he gets caught, when David knows Bathsheba's pregnant, this is his chance to own his sin and end the misery. To own it, deal with it, repent, confess, take, take, take his licking, but then recover and start to see righteousness in his life again and, and see his heart restored. He has that option right here. God is leading him to this, but instead he does the worst thing he can do. He denies the conviction and he attempts to cover up his sin, leading to increased failure of his heart. There are some in this room right now, you are listening to this message and you are in this place of sin and the Lord is warning you right now and the Lord is saying, if you continue to cover up your sin, if you continue to try to manipulate and lie and deceive, it's only gonna get worse and destruction awaits you in terms of the reality of your sins. I'm telling you, there's some people here right now and this is your chance by God's love and God's grace to cease what you're doing and to stop it and it's gonna hurt a bit and you gotta confess and repent, but own it, own it and then see what God does from there. But the attempt to say, no, I'm not gonna own it. I'm gonna keep lying. I'm gonna live with deception. You are inviting then a tremendous season of pain and misery to continue just as David did. So David's plan is not working. Uriah has too much integrity. Notice this. Notice a drunk Uriah holds a healthier heart than a sober David. A drunk Uriah has a healthier heart than a sober David. That is the devastation of heart failure. What's happening to David? This is, this is, listen carefully and learn. 
when someone no longer cares for God's glory, but is consumed with self-glory, that heart will not and cannot receive rebuke or correction. I'll say it again. When a heart no longer cares for God's glory and is instead filled with self-glory, they are unable to receive correction or rebuke in the Lord. David here is more concerned with his reputation than his repentance. That is a sign of massive heart failure. Do you know how many leaders have gone down because of that truth right there? So many leaders have bitten the dust because at the end of the day, they care so much of what people think, more so than their own repentance before the Lord. Just pausing to let you think. How does that relate to me? How does that apply to me? Loved ones, be so careful that we're not growing in a heart of deception. Deception will kill our affection and our hearts for the Lord. I want you to see this, the, the dangers of a heart of deception. Okay, learn this. Number one is this. Here's the greatest danger heart. Heart of deception is the very character of Satan. In John chapter eight, Jesus is referring to Satan. It says, out of his character, out of the character of Satan, he's the father of lies. So when we are living lives of deception, when we deceive, when we tell lies, when we're double-minded, when we live two lies, when we're not being honest with people around us, remember, that is obviously not the character of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it is the character of Satan, okay? It's the character of Satan. The second danger of deception is this. It's the deception of ourselves. So when we're deceiving others, the thing that we often fail to see is we're actually deceiving ourselves because we think somehow we're gonna win. If I lie to you, if I live a double life, if I do something else, then I feel like I'm winning. But the Bible tells us, 2 Timothy chapter three, evil people, they are deceiving and being deceived. So the person who's trying to deceive others, they are actually deceiving themselves and somehow thinking this is gonna work out well. It will never, ever work out well. Another danger of a heart of deception is this. It hinders our fellowship with God. Ephesians 4 talks about, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth that we may not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. A life of deception, a heart of deception is one that is hindering fellowship. We're breaking God's power from our lives. It leads us to the fourth danger, which is this. It removes spiritual life and power from the Lord. Be very, very careful with the heart of deception. Are there lies in your life right now? These portions of our lives completely fabricated? Are we lying to our spouses? Are we living a hidden life? Are we pretending to be someone we're not? All of this are forms of deception, which will greatly hurt our hearts and hinder our relationship with the Lord. So this is why David of all people in Psalm 24, this is what David says when he's in a much better place than 2 Samuel 11. David says this, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? Who will know the presence of God? Who will know the favor of God? Who will know the blessing of God? Who will know the joy of God? Here's the answer. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Clean hands and a pure heart knows the presence of God, knows the favor of God. And notice this, who does not lift up his soul to what is false. Deception, who does not live deceitfully then, just to clarify, and who does not swear deceitfully. The person who is not living a life of deception, the person who does not live in falsehood, that is the person who dwells in the presence of the Lord. 
This is the person that knows the joy and the favor and the power of God, a clean hands and a pure heart. David is saying this. A tremendous sign of spiritual heart failure is that when we are living a life of deception, it worsens the state of our heart, our deception. Oh God, help us to see this even now, to repent of this and turn elsewhere to you, Lord. Spiritual heart failure begins with disobedience. It worsens with deception. Stage number three now, which is incredibly serious, is this, it results in destruction. If the heart is not stopped, it does not turn around and repent and run towards Christ. It will result in destruction in some form, in some way. So verse 14, okay? So David's plan isn't working. So now he goes to the extreme. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. In the letter he wrote, set Uriah in the forefront of the hardest fighting and then draw back from him that he may be struck down and die. Really, David? This is what it's come to? And as Job was besieging the city, he assigned Uriah to the place where he knew there was valiant men. And the men of the city came out and fought with Joab and some of the servants of David among the people fell. Uriah also died. Then Joab sent and told David the news about the fighting and he instructed the messenger, when you have finished telling all the news about the fighting to the king, if the king gets angry, verse 20, and says to you, why did you go so near to the city to fight? Did you not know they would shoot from the wall? So any good army commander would not put his best people or any people near the wall because they'd be killed by the archers and whatnot. But then in verse 21, he explains, who killed Abimelech, the son of Jerobesheth, and did not a woman cast an upper millstone on him from the wall? So he died at Thebes. Why did you go so near to the wall? Then you shall say, and listen, say this. He says, your servant Uriah, the Hittite, is dead also because Joab knows the only thing David really wants to know is that statement right there because the only thing he cares about is the solution and covering for his own sin, even if it means that people's lives are destroyed in the process. David's in a bad place, man. Notice that David is basically taking off the disobedience to the, to the Ten Commandments one by one. He's breaking the Ten Commandments one by one. Remember this about sin too. Sin will always go as far as, as far as it is allowed to go. Sin stops at nothing. Sin is insatiable. Sin is never satisfied. The destination of sin, if allowed, is the pit of hell itself. And in the case of David, remember this, remember? Remember, this is such a good learning moment right here. The sin started out as a look of lust. He was in idleness, he was bored, he was lazy, he was neglectful, and he looked down at a naked woman. It started out as that, and now it has led to the murder of multiple individuals. You say, what do you mean multiple individuals? Well, if you see in verse 17, it says that some of the servants, David, fell as well. They died as, the servants of David could refer to his own bodyguard, some of his best men and soldiers. So not only did Uriah die, but some of David's best soldiers, so faithful to him, they also died in the process of covering up his sin. Notice also how far David's heart has gone. You look at verse 14. In verse 14, in the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab, sent it by the hand of Uriah. Now, what was in the letter? The letter was the instructions of how to murder Uriah. 
And he sends Uriah back and says, wait, I have a letter for you. Can you take it for me? Sure, sir. Uriah is carrying his own death sentence in his hand and doesn't know it. How evil is that? This is David, a man after God's own heart. His heart is suffering from massive spiritual heart failure. It began, I want you to see the trend. It began with disobedience. Then it goes to deception and now people are being destroyed. This is wisdom time for us right now. This is all of us here right now is to understand whether or not we're in the same exact situation as David. This applies in so many different areas. Do not treat sin lightly. Understand how seriously God views sin as well. What starts so small, if it is not checked, if it is not confessed, if it is not repented of, you give it enough time and it will grow and grow and grow to the point we do something disastrous and lives will be ruined. Ours and others around us guaranteed. It's a warning today from the Lord. Be wise, be wise. You know the fallout from David's life? The fallout from this one sin is the following. An unwanted pregnancy, a murder of a trusted friend, not to mention others, a dead baby. Uh, His daughter was raped by his son. One son murders another son. A civil war breaks out against David by one of his sons. And then another son, Solomon, imitating his father, David, is susceptible and falls to the lust of women, involves himself with many foreign women and leads the nation of Israel away from God at the peak of their success. And then it all plummets from there. That all stems from this one chapter in God's word. Now, was David forgiven? 100%. 100% he was forgiven. You cannot exhaust the grace of God. You cannot extend God's love to the point it cannot be received. Listen, he will be forgiven. I want you to hear that. So again, God's love is so abundantly available to every single person here who wants it and who desires to repent of sin, but there would be consequences from David's actions for the rest of his life. So here's wisdom right now, okay? Here's the wisdom. Wisdom says, so David, was it worth it? Was that one moment, as far as we know, it was a one-time act with Bathsheba. Was this one moment of fulfilling self-pleasure worth the destruction of all that would come? Any sane person would say it was not worth it at all. It was a disaster. Here's the wisdom of the moment. When you and I are tempted to sin in ways that were promised the, the fulfillment of the moment, just understand it will lead to a lifetime of regret. It's wisdom. See what Satan does, Satan never tips his hand, right? What Satan does, he just says, it's gonna feel good, man. This is what you want. You deserve this. This is about you in this moment. No one's gonna get hurt. Don't worry about it. No one's gonna know. It's just gonna be great. No, no, go sin, sin. You are entitled to this form of of, of indulgence and, and sensuality, whatever it might be. Do it, do it. Satan never tells you the fallout from the sin. He never says, well, if you do this, then you're going to hurt this person, this person. You're going to hinder your relationship with God. You're going to suffer from guilt and misery. It's going to cause pain. If you do this, you'll ruin your children's lives. If you do this as well, then you won't be able to minister anymore for the gospel. No, 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 no. He never tells you that part. Of course he doesn't, because then you might not actually do it. But see, wisdom says, no, 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 no. I recognize it's a moment of pleasure, but I recognize it's a lifetime of regret in some form, in some way. And therefore, It's not worth it. 
That's a powerful phrase to rehearse to yourself in the moments of temptation and to run for your life straight to the throne of grace. It's not worth it. I said that to myself many, many times. The more you are prepared now to see the reality of the sin, the more you see what it really is when you get to that moment and the door is before you, you can look at it by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and not even open the door. You can look at it and you know it's evil. You know what it's gonna result in and you say, I'm not doing that for the love of God, for the glory of God and for the love of my own life and my family. I am turning away and walking in a different direction. If you start playing with fire and you walk up and start opening the door a little bit, I was going to take a peek and walk in. It's just a matter of sucked right in, gone. Wisdom. Wisdom. You know the end result, so don't be so dumb. Help us, Lord. Help us. Because the deception will lead to destruction. No wonder Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. My favorite verse is in Proverbs. Why? Because it's everything. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Protect it, watch it, know what's happening with it. Why? Because from it flow the springs of life. Question, who in this room right now is on the verge of some grievous sin? There's some, man, for sure. There's some in this room right now. You are playing with fire. You are here today because God loves you so much that God says, don't do it. He loves you so much. He wants to pull you back from this decision of disaster. Receive it as God's love. Next question. Who here right now is in the midst of grievous sin? Right now, your life is engaged in something disastrous and you know it. And God says to you today too, he says, it's not too late to know my love. It's not too late to be showered with forgiveness. He says, my child, you must return to me. You must repent of your sin. He doesn't force you to do it. You must run to him and spare yourself further destruction. This is what we learn from David's life. Stage one is disobedience. Stage two is deception. Stage three is destruction. And then the fourth and final stage in this chapter is this. Spiritual heart failure will inevitably guarantee discipline. It will guarantee the discipline of the Lord. So verse 22, the messenger comes and tells David, you know what David does? He basically hears about people dying and hears about Uriah being dead. And then his response is, he gives a phrase in military. He's like, well, in war, some people die, some people live, whatever. He's like, don't worry about it. You tell Joab, just keep going, attack the people and win. Like that, that's where David's heart's at. He's like, yeah, you know, easy come, easy go. People die, people live. And he says that, but then notice at the very end in verse 26, when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband was dead, she lamented over her husband, wonder how long that lasted. I mean, we don't really know. But verse 27, it says, when the morning was over, David sent and brought her to his house and she became his wife and bore him a son. So it could have been that long. Notice the final sentence in chapter 11, probably the most important. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. So one of the greatest lies of sin is this. One of the greatest lies of sin, and what Satan says is this, the Lord doesn't see. Go ahead, sin. God's not watching. The whole time David is maneuvering, conniving, lying, murdering, he forgets because he's so 
blinded right now. He forgets the Lord sees all. There's nothing the Lord does not see. Proverbs 15, verse three, listen carefully. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. That right there, that truth, that principle of truth should be the single greatest deterrent from you and I sinning. When we find ourselves in that dark corner, in that room by ourselves that we think we're all alone, the understanding of proper theology knows as we're about to gauge in some kind of sin, we are about to sin in the presence of almighty and holy God. There is nowhere he is not. He sees every single thing. But this is what our heart deceives us and Satan tempts us. No, 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 he doesn't see, he doesn't see. He sees everything, everything. That should be the greatest deterrent in the fear of God against sinning in this way. Just some further verses to build on this. Proverbs 13 says, good sense wins favor, wisdom, but the way of the treacherous is their ruin. Numbers says this, be sure your sin will find you out. And then finally, Hebrews 12 says, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves. See, because the Lord loves David so much, he would cause David shortly thereafter this episode in his life to undergo the greatest season of discipline he would ever endure. David would be confronted by God directly through Nathan. Lord willing, that's next week. We wrap up the series in the life of David. And it's through the confrontation of Nathan, David would be crushed to pieces. David finally would give up the blame game and the deception and the destruction and David would be absolutely decimated under the spirit of God. From this period of his life would come two of the most powerful Psalms ever written, Psalm 32 and Psalm 51. David would be totally and completely crushed in his sin. Why? Because David truly belonged to the Lord. Now listen and learn. Because David truly belonged to the Lord, the Lord would not allow the heart failure to continue. God loved David too much to see it go on and on and on. So God's love, God's love would crush David into pieces. Because only when the heart is crushed of self can the heart be truly revived and restored back to God. You and I must believe in the power of repentance and brokenness because that is when the heart can be used and put back together. That's why in Psalm 51, the Psalm written following the sin with Bathsheba, in verse 17, David says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. The sacrifices of God is brokenness. It's a decimated heart before the Lord, begging for mercy and pleading for grace and confessing sin. That is the heart that God will not despise. Can we see, are we wise enough to see the love of God as it comes upon our lives to crush us, to discipline us, to break us, that he might have us.
Can we see God's love in that form as God allows us to be destroyed, to love us, to save us from ourselves? As long as we have unconfessed sin in our lives, we will find out that we will be suffering from pain and misery in various forms. So one of the Psalms written after David and Bathsheba's sin was Psalm 32. And I'll put it on the screen for you, but I wanna read a couple of verses here from my Bible. Psalm 32, just think of the context we have all around us now. Think about in verse three. In verse three, it says, David says, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Silent is um, when I did not repent. For when I did not repent of my sin to God, listen, my bones wasted away. All of us should know something about, some of us are in that right now. We're wasting away. We're hollowed out from the inside because we have sin that is all around us. Notice, through my groaning all day long, unconfessed sin results in pain and misery. You're groaning. You just, there's like, there's, there's no peace. Verse four, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. David couldn't escape it. God was pressing down upon him day after day, week after week, month after month. He wouldn't let David go because he loves him. And David, there's conscience constantly being pricked. Some of us are there right now. God is after us because he loves us. He won't let us go. He doesn't give us peace. His hand's heavy upon us. We're losing sleep at night. It's because of his love upon us. And notice, and here's the example David gives, my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. That's what sin does. Drains us of all strength. Zaps us of vitality. This is where David found himself in this very place. But then notice verse five. Here's the turning point for David. I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. So for all the games of covering up his sin and deception, finally, I did not cover it. I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Here it is. Here's the gospel. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. And that begins the process of David being restored back to right fellowship with his God. There are some hearts in spiritual drought here right now how quickly our hearts will respond to the spiritual grace of the reign of God as it falls down upon us in forgiveness and love and he restores our hearts to himself. That is the opportunity here today. But listen, you won't find the grace of God if you don't want it. It requires repentance. You have to know your need. David did not experience this until he confessed and repented before the Lord. And this is why David said in Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Listen, there's only one person who can give you a clean heart. It's not some talk show host. It's not some guru who wrote some book. It's not some philosophy of this world. The only person that can truly give you a clean heart is the living God, his son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Creating me a clean heart, oh God. I want my life to count in the fruitfulness of you. You're a believer here today. You've wandered. Return. Return. Some of you have some serious business to do today. 
you need to confess sin to someone, to the Lord and to someone else. If you're serious about this, you will deal with it because you know God loves you too much to let you go. Maybe you're here today and you've never truly been alive. You've never received life in Jesus Christ. I invite you to the life of all lives. Forgiveness of your sin because Jesus Christ came and lived a perfect life, died for your sins and rose from the dead, defeating death. And Jesus now offers you eternal life. Whoever believes in me, they will receive eternal life. They will drink the living waters. They will never be thirsty again. Are you here today and you've never received Jesus Christ? All the sin we're talking about, it can be dealt with in one act of faith in the gift of forgiveness that is only found in Jesus Christ. He loves you. He died for you. He wants to save you. Oh Lord, I pray, much as ever, this church will be a repenting church, but a church that is filled and saturated by the reign of the grace of our God. If you'd like to hear this message again or the rest of the messages from this series, you can find these resources and more on our website at liveinthelight.ca. I'm Craig Turnbull, and on behalf of Robbie Simons, we invite you to join us again next time on Live in the Light. I want to